Alright folks, it's been a while. Welcome back. Latest Mountain West Wire basketball podcast. Jeremy Moss here hanging out with Eli Bechtker and neither of us are shirtless, I believe, right? Yeah, no, I got my shirt on. I'm ready to go. But who knows about Moss? I felt, watching the video, I know he's in front of a group of people in sort of a ballroom, but why did he not take his shirt off with the announcement <laughs> of the Martin Schwartz coming back? I think he... Well, first off, he had a – I don't know if you read Chris Murray's article about it, but it sounded like he had a pretty hectic day and showed up an hour later or so to that event. And then he tried to get the twins on the speakerphone and connect that to the microphone. So I don't know if people in the crowd actually heard what they said, but his reaction sure sent off quite the response from all the Nevada people there. So that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. If we're wondering who this, who this is here, MWR.com, that's the website. Uh, MWCR, Facebook, Twitter. Check us out. We're talking hoops today. Also football. Did I already introduce you, Eli? Did I mention your name, Eli Bedker? I will again if I didn't. Oh, yeah. Going You're... double time. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's it. We're busy time. Jeremy Moss here. Hoop show. It's been a while. So here's the uh, game plan. We have so much to talk about. This obviously is going to be more than one show because we want to keep going by our March numbers. We want pe- people to like basketball. And so we're, <laughs> we're going to talk basketball quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, but this particular one, we'll probably do, what do you say, once a month possibly? Something like that? Yeah, or something I'm, comes up that's worth talking about. We'll probably have two in June because it's already June. We've got the draft coming up. We have some fun off-season stuff about scheduling we'll get to, maybe some ways to watch basketball games. And there'll be some random news, and we'll talk scheduling. And if you, uh, Captain Obvious, John Rothstein, tweets out, scheduling is important to college basketball. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> I put, like, all caps breaking question mark what you're so you're telling me st mary should not have turned out grand cane and nevada last year is that what you're telling me john scheduling is important per source oh even better per per source (laughs) and i love college basketball so much i'm not going to criticize anybody going to the draft or i will criticize people going to the draft Mm, man it's that time of year again where i don't know i'm starting to see all these commonalities between media members pop up you see the secret scrimmages in October and then you see people talking about guys that should be one and done or not and everything. Oh man. It's we're just we're just going through the carousel one more time. Yeah, but here's what we're doing tonight. We're whenever you listen to this, maybe it's morning, maybe it's on your drive, maybe work overnight, driving that forklift. Be careful if you are. Keep one ear butt available <laughs> to the surroundings. <laughs> but here here's what we're doing. Talking talking a little bit of draft stuff because three players came back. We we're talking about hey, updated rankings, maybe. But you made a good point. Our header stays the same for the next article <laughs> if we update yeah, those <laughs> well maybe new photo same team so let's start with that because well here's the big news going through the day what was it may 30th was the deadline correct yes mm-hmm. and there was about two, i want to say two dozen total players and the final three to come back were basically um jalen mcdaniels cody martin and Kelly martin they're one of the final what final five i think that made the decision to return they, I, they, I know for a fact they were the final three. There was one other guy from uh, some small school that held out right towards the end. I'm not sure who that was, but he returned. So, it, yeah, so it did come down to Cody Martin, Caleb Martin, and Jalen McDaniels for the final three decisions. And fortunately for the conference, all three of them decided to return for 2019. Yeah, I kept Jeff Goodman's Twitter on refresh every 10 seconds. Oh, man. I can't even imagine what Nevada fans went through because – that decision didn't happen until about an hour until the midnight Eastern deadline. So I had to wait all through decision day to finally 
figure out what the Martins plan to do. It was also funny. Chris Marie put a tweet out, a screenshot of his, his phone. Even his mom was asking, any news? <laughs> oh, I did see that. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> That's why he's like, mm-hmm. sorry, Bob, Katie, and I know nothing. After 12 o'clock, they're, they're, it's locked out. <laughs> yeah. So you get those two guys back. You get uh, McDaniels, which I know McDaniels had about a half from San Diego State, for those who are wondering, going to be a sophomore, correct? Richard sophomore next year? Yes. Mm-hmm. He had, what, half a dozen workouts. I think he came to the Jazz at one point near me. I wish I could have gone, but I was not able to get down there. I think he did. But half a dozen workouts. I never heard much. Did Caleb or Cody have that many workouts? Uh, they had a handful, yeah. So both of them got invited to the Combine. Jalen McDaniels did not, though, and that was a bit of a surprise from most of the media guys um, because I think at least some believe that McDaniels could have had a better chance to be drafted than the Martin Twins. But, um, the, yeah, they both had a number of workouts. Jordan Caroline, who's also returning for his senior season, he had a handful of workouts as well. And none of the – and going through the – the reason they came back, I think they all made the right decision. Well, Dale, I think McDaniels for sure because he wasn't expected to be drafted at all. Caleb and Cody Martin, maybe a second rounder, maybe. But here's the thing about Nevada, which we'll talk a lot about because they're, they're – and also PSA, it's a Wolf Space Pack. Not Wolfpack. The big, um, the I big haven't league. seen a lot of those lately, yeah. And so, remember, NC State, Wolfpack, one word. Nevada, Wolfpack, two words. Also, it's not Nevada. It's Nevada. Oh. <laughs> Man. Get ready for that all year. <laughs> and also, it's Oregon, not Oregon. Oh, geez. Even even though it is Oregonian, which could confuse the people, maybe. I, but, I still think it's a valid excuse. <laughs> but, but proceed. <laughs> But here's the, I could I could play both ways for them to come back or not because they bring in all these transfers. We'll go over our top ten list which you made recently about the eligible guys coming in for Nevada and the whole conference. Last year they played what was it seven man roster maybe eight when that tight end got in for two seconds a game. It seemed like maybe a minute at the end of the half. So they go from super thin roster in playing time to I don't know how many guys we're going to play at some we can talk about later, but. There's an argument to be made. Their draft stock wouldn't be higher because there's still only one football, or should be one basketball to go around. And now they have five-star guy coming in, McDonald's All-Americans, guys who were scoring 15 plus points at their previous school. And now there's, you know I mean, like a half a dozen more guys coming in who, who knows how good they'll be. That's what I was saying back in April regarding the Martins' decision because. I thought that they would have both left even though their draft stock did not indicate that they would be selected even if it was in the late second round. Uh, and that's because of how much talent Nevada has coming in this following season. So they added a number of transfers. You can check out the top 10 transfer list and it's basically Nevada supporting cast. <laughs> yeah. But they have nine, I want to say nine players that average 13 or more points per game in their most recent season and the rest of the entire conference combined has six. So, though the Martin Twins will still get the bulk of the playing time and will both start, uh, you you won't see a guy like Jazz Johnson or Nizre Zazua just sitting on a bench when they average 17-plus points per game in their most recent season. So, um, as ter- in terms of NBA stock, I don't know if returning can really help out the Martins that much, but in the present uh, and regarding what they do in Reno, I think this team is really shaping up to be one of the best teams that this conference has seen. Yeah, let's let's go to that real quick. What like I've been around the league for probably uh, I'd say a, lot, a little bit longer than you, just basically because where oh, I yeah. lived and 
I went to University of Utah, Mountain West, and stuff like that years ago. Covered BYU for a long time. Started this dang old website thing way too long ago to keep track. <laughs> so this could be like people are going, when is it the best team? And the best two teams ever, in my, my opinion, are that it's both coming the same year. I remember the game. I was trying. I was joking because <clears throat> years ago, this is back in the two teams were referring to. It's a 2010-2011 season. San Diego State and BYU with Jimmer Fredette and Kawhi Leonard on each respective teams and others, obviously. A lot more good players on each team. That was at a time when they were both top 10, went to Provo, like just when Jimmer Mania was going just insane. Even though, as of yesterday, I believe, or May 31st, he wants to get back in the NBA, playing in that basketball tournament, the TBT. But I was half joking because Matt Norlander, I knew him a little bit. He, I started working with him. He had his uh, college hoops journal site when he was still with Yahoo, kind of a side thing. And he's like, hey, I need some more people. I want to keep it running. I half joked to get me into that game. We never did. I was like, oh, I'm kidding, Matt. But I remember covering that game, at least for them, and the site I was working on here as well. But that game was just nuts. Two top 10 teams. Big problem. I still contend it's probably the biggest game ever for CBS Sports Network football or basketball-wise for how the Merritt Center is rocking full 20. 2000 whatever it holds way too many for a college basketball arena <laughs> but it was packed <laughs> to the gills but that year those teams were amazing because here's a weird interesting thing San Diego State lost twice that year both to BYU but then they beat BYU by 18 in the Mountain West Tournament in Vegas and then they lose to UConn in the Sweet 16 that BYU team was 34 and 5 um shoot, I thought I had the record up here but they were they fit, oh, that's 2011-2012. Sorry, wrong roster here. They are. They finished out. Like, could they lose to lose to, like, New Mexico, who was really good that year? They – I remember the game where Jimmer Fredette hit up, like, a 50-footer against the Lobos. <laughs> I think he scored 50 <laughs> in that game, something ridiculous. But, like, they were only losing to, like, New Mexico twice, who was really good. Lose to, like, UCLA in the Pac-10 Pac at the time. And I remember, had Brandon Davies not got honor code issues for BYU, they would have been a Final Four team. They, I mean, they sure would have been favored to do so. I'm, I'm just looking at reference page right now, and yeah. from mid-January on, both San Diego State and BYU were ranked in the top ten of the AP poll, and even in the final poll, they finished sixth and tenth respectively. So, though there aren't two teams in Mountain West that are that elite this year, Nevada could certainly contend with either of those teams. And would, would you give them the nod over San Diego State and BYU of 2011? I don't know. Would that? Here's the BYU team really quick. Like, they almost beat Florida, lost in overtime, ended up being like a nine-point game. Or, 11, yeah, nine-point game. It was Went to overtime, should have been closer. Had they won, they would have played Butler. And they would have been ranked. Who knows if they beat Butler, who was national runner-up. I think that was a Gordon Hayward team, or at least mm -hmm. one of them. Where they beat Florida, they could have beat. I don't see why they couldn't beat Butler. Like, they almost made it to the lead eight without their second-best player. And, like, one of the right. best powered forwards in college basketball. Mm -hmm. If not for him getting on with his – girlfriend or whatever it was at the time they would have been farther along but here's the interesting <laughs> thing is like both these teams are way different BYU mm -hmm. was all Jimmer essentially I don't want to say it's all Jimmer for that at the time but San Diego State wanted to be more athletic it was the time when San Diego State liked to score points <laughs> that's when they would go up and down Clyde Leonard just crushed everybody at, at the whim I think they I forget who else it had but I don't know because if we look at Nevada like I put in here on our sheet all the new top 25 rankings they're consensus top 10 team like, they're probably – every most common position for them, I could tell, is six. Like, the big lead has them four, Kempom four, CBS six, uh, Busting Brackets send, the Dagger, Yahoo six, ESPN six. Uh, basically, six is throughout. I – here's the thing that I, I'm not sure I'll say that because 
they have a half a dozen new guys coming into the team. How well will they gel together? How good will they be in the preseason or non-conference season? This isn't a team that's bringing back 10, star- 10 players from last year. Yes, they bring back Jordan Carolina, who's coming back, who tested the waters. Both Martin Twins, a few other guys coming back, all these transfers coming in. But how quickly will they be able to get it together? That's the one thing where, yeah, they might be a preseason top 10, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they lose to, like they open up with BYU, who's going to be a decent team, above average team, I'll say, probably top 125 team. They play, don't they also play Arizona State, Grand Canyon, aren't those a few of those other games they added on the schedule? And also at Loyola Chicago. Yeah, which yeah. could be a trap M- game too. MVC uh, um, challenge, which is doing okay this year. But you get my point. Like, they might be top 10, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lose a couple non conference games because of, yeah, these guys redshirted last year, been around, but it's still, they're alive. But also, flip side, these guys last year were playing 36 plus minutes. If they're in there, like the efficiency, like per possession, per 40 minutes, whatever. Martin, both Martin guys, and uh, Caroline probably could be better in uh, efficiency-wise because they're not having to play the entire game. But I, I'll, I'll say no at the moment because I want to see this team play. We saw what Kawhi Leonard did or Jimmer Fredette did, those guys did, and players coming back on the roster from the year prior. So I'm going to say maybe, but I'm not going to say for, yes for sure. I'll say this for sure. They will be the highest-rated team ever in the preseason within the Mountain West. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think... Like you said, it could take a little time to gel, and I don't mean that Nevada's going to come out of the gate losing a handful of games before or before conference play. But the thing that is good for Nevada, even though they have a number of new players coming in, is that, like you said, the, the redshirt year for uh, plenty of these transfers, which Eric Musselman calls the development year. So mm-hmm. a lot of these guys already have a familiarity with what the Nevada program is and what uh, what their plays are and their roles and everything like that. So uh, it, there is a lot of new talent and things that need to be sorted out between now and the NCAA tournament, but I would not be surprised at all if Nevada ends up being the best team that this conference uh, has ever seen. But like you said, I think that we'll have a better idea of how good Nevada is once January rolls around. But in terms of pure raw talent, I don't think that there's any question that this is the best this is the best team in the Mountain West history. You think so? You're going to say that? I think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. What would you, okay, what would be considered the best team ever? Like, what would, when you look at those two, I, I still think those two teams are the best ever. And I could argue San Diego State being better because they beat, or I don't know, it's tough to say. BYU beat them twice regular season. But I think those are the two best teams ever. There are some good UNLV teams along Kruger back in the day. But what would what would make it for you to say this is going to be the best team ever? What would they have to make it to the Elite Eight? Because no team has done that in the conference. I'll, well, I guess Nevada last year because they're that close to Final Four. Or no, wait, they uh, they lost Sweet Sixteen, right? To Loyola. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's right. Sorry. What would it, what would you take for you to say this is the best team ever? Just an Elite Eight appearance, winning thirty two games, go undefeated in conference play. Because I don't think any team has ever gone undefeated. Out to check. I think the best conference record ever was at go back 2011-2012 where San Diego State lost two times. or No, BYU and San Diego State were both 14-2. and two. So what, I'll just let you go. What, what would make it the best team ever for you? It's always tough for me to use NCAA tournament wins as the barometer of success because just so many crazy things can happen in the tournament. Yeah. But the fact that the Mountain West hasn't really had that deep of an NCAA tournament run in its history 
I think that opens the door for Nevada to be the best team ever. And even last year, opening up with two tough opponents, both power conference opponents, and coming from behind, um, and to get to the Sweet 16, which is already one of the best runs in Mountain West tournament history, I think that they can definitely build off of that now that they have more talent. But just from roster top to bottom, uh, <laughs> their, their second rotation includes four double-digit scores, And so that second rotation that Nevada has could probably win the Mountain West by itself most Ooh, years. That's so, a bold statement. That's bold. I I would I would take I would take Nevada's second rotation over I don't know, Fresno State's twenty sixteen team. I don't think that's too outlandish to say. Well that team was a fourteen seed, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean a handful of years you could see this Nevada second rotation beating the Mountain West top team. I, I would I would make that argument, yeah. So looking at their schedule for Nevada really quick, they have BYU home and home. They have uh, Grand Canyon. Is it Arizona State as well? Is that the other team? Yes. Mm-hmm. TCU as well? Is that correct? I'm not so sure I'm about TCU. I'm trying to pull it up here. I thought I had it in front of me. Ah, dang, I wish I did here. I was trying to look for our one article we had a while back for the uh, schedule. But their schedule's incrementally getting better than the past. Here it is. Like, Okay, here's a handful of games. BYU home. Pacific, whatever, Arkansas, Little Rock. They got Tulsa and Las Vegas. Maybe UMass, Southern Illinois could be decent. Arizona State, South Dakota State, even though they lost their coach to Utah State and their best player. That's eh, We'll see how that goes. But schedule. But looking through who they play, like I I know BYU's got like Gilly Childs back. He's returning. That could be something where that could be. A, it's at home, so probably should win. But like, out of all those games – it's probably like maybe like the Arizona State game or the Chicago game. Like they'll probably start off pretty good in non-conference play. Like they could go like six and zero, seven and zero before they play some decent teams like maybe UMass. I, I I don't expect Nevada to lose more than one or two games in non-conference play, and I think that they could make it through non-conference without losing a game. But um, how good is Arizona State supposed to be? I don't expect them they. To be I think they should be pretty but... solid. Yeah, I think they should be pretty solid. But I think what's nice about this Nevada schedule, they don't have opponents that necessarily pop off the page, but similar to what they did last year, they just have a bunch of decent opponents. They have winnable games at home, uh, a little bit tougher teams on the road or on neutral sites that just continues to bump up RPI and strength of schedule. And that's why a team like Nevada with really no other NCAA tournament locks within its conference is able to pick up a single-digit seed. And I think we should be able to see the same thing this year, especially when their metrics should be off the charts as well. I think that they're fourth or fifth in Kempom preseason, so mm-hmm. so they don't really have to make up a ton of ground in those advanced metrics either. So looking at who they have played, like I don't want to make this all Nevada preseason-type schedule or scheduling-type of thing, but... Do they, they're not like who's their team in the non-conference that's going to be like a their marquee victory? I know last year's Rhode Island opening night essentially. They don't like it's Arizona State. Like who's their best team? Could it be Grand Canyon? Uh, I'd probably still lean Arizona State because their RPI will be good regardless since they play in the Pac-12 and they still have some decent players coming back. The probably their two best players or maybe even three best players are graduated. So like, like I said, there's not one single team that is phenomenal that they're playing and their schedule is almost all but finalized so it, it might be it might be Grand Canyon 
but I'd oh, probably geez. still lean Arizona State as their best opponent. But would that be top 150 game? Grand Canyon? Yeah. I'd probably say top 100. I think they were somewhere around there last it's year. It's still not looking good, though. Because they could run, the, like, not, like, you, you know my stuff, what we've been saying about uh, playing, get those quadrant one wins, I guess it's called. But, it's like, this schedule, like, I know their, their best game all year, if it's not non-conference play, I guess it's San Diego State or New Mexico. And they'll probably, just because who they play might be top 100, but they're not going to have a top 25 win. And as people point out, like, novice basketball fans will say, well, this team's ranked fifth in the country. Why aren't they a one, one or two seed? They get, like, a six seed. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that could be the case from the Nevada this year. Well, I'm, I'm looking back right now at Nevada's team sheet from this past year where their RPI was strong and their uh, strength of schedule was also strong. So their 13th in RPI had a strength of schedule of 51 and 8th in non-conference. And their only their their best non conference game was against Texas Tech on the road, and that was the 18th best RPI. And then they also had Rhode Island and TCU, which were top 30 teams. So it's better than what I expected to be this upcoming season, but not by a ton. I don't I don't think it, by a ton that's that schedule is that much better. And then on the other on the other side, the teams that they're playing that are weaker aren't as weak as um, some of the other teams that will contend for an NCAA tournament bids because they usually structure their schedule to play teams that can compete for their regular season titles, even if it's a small conference mm-hmm. um, like they did last year. So they had very few terrible teams on their non-conference schedule. Uh, only, let's see, Santa Clara was 264th in RPI last year, and that's the only non-conference game that was in that uh, fourth column on the team sheet. The other teams were Colorado State, Air Force, San Jose State twice, and then it was Colorado State again as the worst opponent in the third column. So I, I still think that the bottom half of the Mountain West will do more damage to the RPI than, than what the conference, a non-conference slate will. Even Pacific, who was 190 last year? Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, that's, that's going to be better than the four worst teams in the Mountain West. I think it's very top-heavy and, and weak in the bottom this so- upcoming year. So who's sub two hundred? Like who you mentioned, uh, Air Force, San Jose State. You think CSU is going to be sub two hundred? No, I do like CSU this year. I think Utah State, Wyoming, Air Force, and San Jose State will all finish two hundred or worse. Even with Justin James coming back, who'll score like forty points a game? Yeah, uh, <laughs> his supporting cast is terrible. If he wouldn't have returned, I don't think they would have had a single score returning score over seven points per game. Let me ask you a hypothetical: Had he not returned, would you have put San Jose State ahead of Wyoming? <laughs> I might have thought about it. Oh man! Yeah, it, it they have one star and then a lot of question marks. So, okay. I, I I still probably would have put Wyoming ahead of San Jose State, but good uh, not by <laughs> not by a ton. I guess the other guys coming back. Uh, Deshaun Taylor's pretty big for Fresno. That puts them. Um, you had them. Let's see in our preseason, not just you. I guess I was just you. I don't remember if it was a collaborative effort or not. You had Fresno at what five? Fourth? I had them. I had them fourth behind Santa State in New Mexico. So he's back. That's a big deal because he's a guy who could be like when that a couple years ago they had one player who would just score all the points. And they got won the tournament. So we have the key players. Anybody else we miss who's key coming back? Do we touch on everybody? Yep. Yeah. That's that's it for the notable guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Jordan Carolina, I think we mentioned as well. So how does your ranking change for your top ten? I assume 
Nevada's still number one. New Mexico's still number two. Is it still the same top four? San Diego three, Fresno four, Boise five. Still, yeah, still, still the same top four. The guys that came back, um, well, even if the Martin twins would have left, I still would have had Nevada in first place. Okay. And now that they do that, only solidifies them atop. And I did expect McDaniel's and Taylor to return as well. So I'll keep the top four the same with Nevada first, then New Mexico second, San Diego State third, and Fresno State fourth. Any other changes? Because you got Boise five, UNLV six. Those are all. I guess the rest is staying the same because everybody is the same. <laughs> uh, I, well, I'm pretty sure there were some changes that have happened since. I mean, besides just the draft stuff, I think there also some transfers have happened, which we can touch on briefly. But I'm sure I'll be doing some shuffling between now and October. But I'm liking Colorado State's roster more than I would have originally thought. So I'm I'm thinking of Colorado State. Maybe as a top five team. Oh, interesting. Even losing Princeton, Princess Nixon. Yeah, I think so. Uh, they have some some quality returning guys. Chris Martin decided to stick around. That's right. uh, same with Nigo Carvacho, so that's really good. And as good as Prentice Nixon was in terms of efficiency, he was he continued to struggle offensively. So if if they have a little bit more offensive fluidity, and especially. Under a coach who's not Larry Eustachie, that that's just <laughs> problem, right? Exactly. So, really quick, when you did your top ten before, was Kobe uh, Mickey, Michael? Jeez, <laughs> McEwen was he? I know he's going to Marquette now. Was that before or after that top uh, the top eleven or the uh, preseason rankings? Do you recall? I'm pretty sure he had he had already announced that he was transferring. I, I know that he hadn't committed to Marquette yet. Um, but even if he hadn't, I would assume that I had thought at the time. Oh, you did. I see you're not. Happen, key so. losses. Would you drop them down at all? Like, would they swap them for Wyoming maybe? I, no, I still like Utah State over Wyoming for now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know. It's uh, the, I, the bottom part, the bottom four teams in the conference next year are going to have a rough time, I think. I think I think so too, but with Justin James back, and Wyoming's home court is still pretty big deal. And I love the head coach is always with obviously very good. Or excuse me, that one's Allen Edwards. I I don't know. I may put Wyoming over Utah State because if you have a guy who could score thirty points at will, almost I was joking forty to fifty, but he he decent chance he could lead the Mountain West in scoring because Nevada will spread it out to too many players. Um, New Mexico, I don't know if they have one guy who score a bunch of points. Uh, when you look at maybe I guess Taylor for Fresno could be the other guy to challenge for the scoring title. But if if they're going to be down in games, they need to keep the pace going. If they want to do that type of pace and be down, he'll need to put up shots. I I might just swap those. I may not put them higher than seven because, like I said, besides him, guys are scoring what, five, six, seven points per game who are coming back. So I might make that flip because Utah State has no go-to guy, I don't think, really. I guess Sam Merrill, obviously, he can hit the three-pointer, but I don't know. I'd go with the guy who could score consistently over a three-point shooter guy and, yeah. That's yeah. That's what I was going to mention is that with Utah State, you also have a really good scorer uh, in Sam Merrill, but he doesn't create offensively nearly as much as uh, Justin James does. So I think we've we've seen this a number of times recently with Wyoming. They have one stud and then a bunch of question marks. So like with Josh Adams, he he would just tear it up, and his supporting cast wasn't nearly at that good at the time when they had a lot of underclassmen and he, he scored I think well over 20 points so we might be in for that again this year Wyoming's going to have that star and then 
you just never know what's going to happen with guys two through five. We'll see. Maybe Hunter Thompson will do something special for them. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. The basketball player, obviously, Hunter Thompson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess uh, let's see what else we got here. We got a few things we were kind of bounced around a little bit. Let's go back to Nevada super quick, not to uh, make it the Wolfpack show, but roster construction is an issue for them. They are now, I guess now, currently 14 scholarship players. They were at 15, but as you told me before, show Ehab Amin was going to be grad transfer eligible immediately from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So I had to say, hold on, I'm out of here. Probably because <laughs> scholarship's not available and he's one of the few guys I could leave. They need one other player to be coerced or some sort of um, mention, hey, maybe you'd be better off to get playing time at school A, B, or C in the West Coast Conference or... How how you, how do you want to retire from basketball or something like that? I'm just it happens all the time when you see players transfer. It's not that you're being cut, but you're sort of being cut. They need to find room for one guy, and I don't. Do you have any clue what that could entail? Who that might be? Usually, you could be able to point out who it might be if the team wasn't constructed like Nevada's. Mm-hmm. Because half the team transfers, tenth, right? <laughs> yeah, that and also your tenth best guys still average like nine points per game. So yeah, uh, the the person that's leaving in this case it was Aham Amin who led the nation in steals and scored sixteen points per game. That's that's just mind boggling that that guy is considered the odd man out on a roster. But going back to your question, I I just I don't know because you have. You have Jalen Harris who is sitting out this year. He's a Louisiana Tech transfer. He won't be playing in 2018-19. Maybe that could lead him to pursue other opportunities. I don't know. This is as a slide on. This is all conjecture. I have mm-hmm. no idea what um, could potentially happen. Um, freshman KJ Himes and Vince Lee are coming in this year, but Jordan Brown they, as well. I don't think Jordan Brown's going to go anywhere. That's what I mean. I mean, he's uh, a freshman yeah, coming in. Yeah, he, another freshman coming in. Right. Um, so it's it's tough to tell. I'd be curious. I I think with Amin, it wasn't too shocking because he had just committed a couple weeks ago, uh, and he has other options. And I, I'm pretty sure he decided to commit to Nevada without the knowledge of what the Martin twins would do. But now that they're back, he didn't really have any other choice but to choose another team. So I'll I'll be curious to find out who well, will be the other guy that decides to leave. And I have no idea how Musselman is handling this um, because you're basically saying one of you guys can't be here next year. And and that's pretty tough after you had offered commitment and a scholarship to your players. So I'm curious how it sorts out. I'm wondering, we'd have to look at and see who's already graduated or who can graduate by summer's end. Because, Elixir, you mentioned, sorry, I forget the name, but the guy from, was it Louisiana Tech? Jalen Harris. Jalen mm-hmm. Harris. So, like, if you already transferred once, transferring again means you lose eligibility. Like, you lose a year, another year. So, they're not going to transfer. I, odds are not going to, I should say. But I'd look for the guys. I don't know their academic status. But I would – I'm wondering – if we don't hear anything soon, I'm wondering if it'll be later this summer when guys, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm graduating in the first half of summer session or I'll graduate before school starts in August. Then there could be a transfer. Because there has to be something done, I'm assuming, before fall the fall semester begins. And mm-hmm. so I'd look for some guy who's going to graduate so he can play right away. I'm betting that's what's going to happen, but I don't know who that'll be. Because I'm not sure. Like I said, I don't know who's on track to graduate or, you know what I mean? I, I just don't know that information. So I'm thinking that could be 
that would make the most sense and it would be the least messy for a Muslim and everybody involved. Yeah, I, I agree. I think with Jalen Harris, so, and I'll explain why I'm focusing on him in a sec. At least on verbal commits, and I just did a quick search, he is not signed with the university, though hmm. this could be incorrect. And verbal commits is an awesome source, but sometimes, um, I mean, you have some cracks along the way. But if he isn't yet signed, then he would have the freedom to um, go and, and sign wherever else he wants. And he'd still have to sit out this upcoming year, but he would be eligible and wouldn't be forced into some other um, eligibility situation. So that maybe it's Jalen Harris. Yeah, so he, I, I don't know. Well, if he hasn't officially signed, that'd make a lot of sense right there. Uh, that, there is there is one uh, source right here that says he's signed. So I don't know if Verbal Commits has it updated or not. But if he isn't, then that would would make a lot of sense. Yeah, we'll see. I, yeah, it could be him, like you mentioned. That's what. Because also, as we noted, I don't think I think this is pre-show. If they're transfer coming in but not eligible, they still take up a spot in scholarship, which is why Nevada <laughs> right. had like what eight players el- rosters last year, scholarship players available. <laughs> yeah, all guys to, were sitting on the bench, so one couldn't play. Yeah, yep. tapping tapping into the tight end from football to come over to play for a couple <laughs> minutes to play power forward occasionally. It'll be season's gonna be good. So let's go to this because we still got plenty of time. We haven't talked all that long here, only thirty minutes through. So let's uh, let's go through the transfers out really quick, just so people are aware who's not coming back. We already mentioned a couple, but Prentice Nixon, CSU to Iowa State, was that more of a coaching change? You think with the new head coach coming in with Eustachie out? I think so. Nixon was really close with Eustachie, at least um, from what most people could see. I'm sure we could ask just Michael and see what he'd have to say, but. Nixon always stood up for Eustachie, so I think that once he left, Nixon had the opportunity to go to a power conference school, and that's where he ended up with U- with Iowa State. When I mentioned the Kobe there going to Marquette, I guess, I don't know, because there's rumors, deep rumors last year, we are talking about somebody from Toronto, one of his I don't, affiliation with him, trying to shop him last year, and so... <laughs> And so that was kind of a sticky and situation. And then transferring, yeah. Going to market. Well, also they have Craig Smith, new head coach, to Tim Duray's out. So that Marquette, that's, I think he'll do good things. Marquette's in the – they used to be in They're in the Big East. I, that's mm-hmm. what I thought because I remember Conference USA, Big East. That, that should be good for him. Ryan uh, Wellage from San Jose State going to the Big East as well, Xavier. I, I'm just get out of town. Sorry, Spartans fans. But he had to get out of there. That's, that's a terrible situation. It's, and you got Keith Fisher, J.C. Hillsman. More Spartans guys, Illinois State, so whatever. It's San Jose State losing more town. I'm sorry again. I guess Bryson Fisher is or excuse me, Bryson Williams. He's still undecided from Fresno, or is UTEP a real thing? Uh, still undecided, though there are a lot of rumors saying he could end up with UTEP following the Fresno State staff, Rodney Terry and his guys down in El Paso. But he also, I believe, took a visit this weekend with Oregon or has a visit upcoming with Oregon. Um, so the allure of a power conference team is, should be pretty interesting for him as well. We'll see how that goes. And then we already mentioned uh, Ehab Amin. He's going somewhere. Texas Corpus, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Nevada now kind of got the short straw, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I guess uh, coming in, here you made your top ten list. So one guy, I guess, a big deal, Malachi Flynn, going to be eligible next year, 2019-20. So that's probably the, is that the biggest name coming in from this offseason? So far, yes. Yeah, like not non eligible player. A huge, say. So a huge addition for San Diego State. All right. So then let's go to your list. Let's you explain the list because some people were not too happy with this list. I go, well, I, it, it's a yeah, list so people complain. Happen, right? It, it, it's <laughs> if, make a list, people will complain. That's how it goes. 
So what was your criteria for your top 10 eligible transfers for this year? What was your kind of baseline? They're going to be, I chose this guy number one because is it the best player, best fit? They're going to just, what would you tell people? Why? What was your um, basis beyond? Because you can make a list about transfers and it could be four different categories and you get four different number ones. True. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's what some other people mention. Hey, why is not, why is this guy not on here? So basically these are just the best players and that's uh, roughly what it is. It, what have these players accomplished uh, with their most recent team? So probably the most notable snub that people pointed out was Carlton Bragg, who's who's coming over um, after two power conference teams, actually, um, Kansas and Arizona State. He's now with New Mexico, but he didn't make the cut because he just really hasn't done much in his first couple of years of college. He averaged just around four points per game or so. And everyone else on this list averaged, I want to say, at least eight points per game in their most recent season. So just what the players accomplished with their most recent team is my number one criteria. So Nisrei Zizua, who's from Bryant, he's with Nevada now, will be eligible this year at guard. An excellent shooter, probably going to average somewhere around 20 points per game, and that's what he accomplished back with Bryant. Uh, So not, not the biggest school name in Bryant but just a, a tremendous player who was highly sought after as well and in terms of other power conference guys Jaquan Lyle from Ohio State that the end of that relationship in Columbus wasn't too pretty but he should do great things with the Lobos this year under Paul Weir and then the other power conference guys Vance Jackson at number eight with New Mexico he's coming over from UConn what do you mention about the guy from New Mexico? It's like if you have two transfers, that's already a red flag as it is. I don't care how good you regarded. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, he's at Kansas, Arizona State, but it's like, show me something. Like, he might be the best player to come in as a transfer, but it's it's all, also this is a tough thing to do. It's because I saw people always bring up well competition. This guy came from Omaha or Old Dominion or Wagner, or but you have a guy from UConn or New Mexico State who's they're a good program the past couple of years or Bryant. So. Did you take that into account at all for a level of competition to come in or just kind of they dominated their level and they should be pretty good when they come to the Mountain West if it's a step up for them? Uh, to answer your question, not really, because eventually I think the recruiting ratings and power conference affiliations have to start to fade. So with Carlton Bragg, though he might be one of the most talented players in the whole league this year, he just did not do much. And I would always take a low low-major or mid-major player who has succeeded over a, a player that has had a lack of success at a higher level. So people like to bring up competition, especially those that aren't all in on what Nevada has done, but we've already seen it with some current and former Nevada players who dominated at lower levels, went to Nevada and did just the same, or even got better. Uh, so, I mean, you take a look at Jordan Caroline, who comes from Southern Illinois. That's not a huge school, and nope. he could be a favorite for Mountain West Player of the Year this year. So I think I, I'm confident saying that level of competition is something that is probably more of a myth than a fact. True. So with number 10, I mean no longer on the list because he's not. With Nevada, who would be your next guy up? It might be Bragg. Uh, and that's and that's still more on potential than anything else because if this is the right fit for him, then I think he could do great things. Uh, another one to mention, probably going over to Colorado State with Chris Martin, who's from Oral Roberts. He's also a talented player. And and also as a side note, because I saw some people mention this as well, 
this doesn't include any JUCO guys. We'll have a separate list for JUCO ah, guys. So okay. this is this is purely from players that played their most recent season on a D1 team. Interesting. Okay, I didn't, re- I didn't even realize that. So, hey, more content coming away, folks. There you go. Uh, I guess one other piece of news we should mention, because speaking of JUCO guys, Boise State is losing Patrick Dembley after one day in Boise, Idaho. One day. <laughs> Physical altercation in a good old downtown Boise, Idaho, and now it's uh, 2 a.m. Here's exactly what it is. He was involved in a fight in downtown Boise around 2 a.m. Uh, Sunday as a recording, basically a day after day recording, after allegedly borrowing another man's cell phone and not returning it. <laughs> also cited for minor in consumption, I'm assuming alcohol, because if it was anything else, it would be more illegal if it was marijuana or something. But So you first day in town, so go to the bar, underage, get some alcohol, let's not return a phone and get in a fight. <laughs> Come on, man. One week in Vegas sounds like the name of an of an album of some sort. But anyways, <laughs> Dembley is not living the dream right now. That's just a bizarre way to start off your time with a new university in a new city. I don't know what Rice's form of discipline will be, but I know that the most recent guy that was arrested, and obviously for something that was much more serious with Desmond Trent a few years ago, he was immediately kicked off the team. But this isn't nearly as serious, so I think. Oh, I thought he. I thought he was not on the team. I thought that was the case. What's that? I thought he's not. I thought he was like booted already. Is that not the case? I have not seen anything. Oh, that let me has double check here. I thought maybe I misspoke here. I thought that was the case. Um, uh, oh no! I no. I for some reason I maybe I maybe it was just hey one day in town you screw up. Maybe that's all it was. I for some reason thought he was kicked out of town. Oh, here's here's why I thought it was because BJ Reigns, who does stuff for the Idaho Press Tribune, mentioned, "Will this be the shortest career stay ever for a student athlete in Boise history?" Um, <laughs> Twenty-four hours. Yeah, not even. <laughs> Have to wonder if Leon Rice will keep him around. Please, um, well, we already mentioned borrowed cell phone, borrowed cell phone, didn't return it, got in a fight over it. He asked comment for Boise State from Leon Rice, um, but was told by his team spokesman that the w- earlier one sentence statement will be it. Oh, did I read that one sentence statement? Let's find out where it is. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. A Boise State spokesman released this short statement. Boise State is aware of the situation and will handle appropriately per department policy. Is there a policy for underage drinking and getting a fight while still on the cell phone? What's the, What does that line up on the I'm list? I'm sure it can be lumped into something. <laughs> do you, okay, do you think he'll be on the team? I think so. Yeah. You think so? I think, he'll, I think he'll be suspended, but... Dembley could reasonably start for Boise State next year. I don't know if he will or if this will impact that to any extent, but I don't think he's going to be kicked off the team for this. It just sounds like it's as bad of a way as you could start a new relationship, but I I, I don't know if stealing someone's phone and drinking at age 20 is enough to kick someone off the team. And a fight. That Fis- is true. F- yeah. Well, okay, sorry. Fight could be loosely termed, but it said physical altercation. It could, it could, and yes. denying he had the phone, but it was in his pocket or in his possession. So, yeah, and, not not the best of nights for a twenty year old in Boise. Uh, we'll see. It goes on. It's just it's like, come on, dude. What day one? Yeah, it's like, and and Rice and his staff won't tolerate that e- either. So, no, it's uh, it's just stupid. I, I would imagine he gets suspended. Yeah, just just not smart at all. Like, so also, it doesn't say because it doesn't say he had alcohol on hand. Which who knows how he got it, but potential fake ID involved possibly if he got his hand on some alcohol, maybe. 
I don't know. Being a, being a basketball player but... on Boise State in a, in a relatively small city, I don't know how uh, you're going to get away with that. Boise is <laughs> that small? Come on. I mean, r- relatively speaking. Yeah, it's um, well, it's smaller than Salt Lake quite a bit, but but still, it's like it's just first off, don't be dumb. It's like it whatever. <laughs> we don't need to beat this guy down. It's like it's a lot of people drink when they're twenty. It's like okay, you're twenty one coming up. Is it that big a deal? But getting in a fight, taking a phone, it's like it just adds up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, had yeah. he been caught stumbling, drinking, and passed out somewhere? It's like, okay, come on, buddy. What are you doing? But he's still a phone. Then you get in a fight. You deny you have the phone. It's like one, two, three, and four equals something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like It just snowballs. It snowballs. His mugshot's interesting. But if they lose him, it's a, would that change your rankings if he's not in the roster for your um, early preseason projections? I don't know if it would change my rankings that much. I still think Boise State's got to probably going to be picked somewhere around the middle of the conference next year, but uh, losing Dembley would hurt at least from a depth perspective. All right, let's get to some questions. So let's start with um, let's answer Cam's question. I know it's Cam Newton on Twitter, but that's not his real name. <laughs> yeah, or is it his real name? Do you know? It is. Yeah, but oh. I know his ad is Morrison crying. It has that that's crying right. Adam Morrison. Uh, Mid major good buddies at mid major badness. I'll ask us what is the absolute worst team in the Mountain West Conference? Well, you have four candidates, at least I Where, would say. Did you? I got one candidate. I know where you're going with this. Why not? <laughs> San Jose State. That's the obvious question or answer to the question. You lose your best starter, two other players transfer. You were already bad as it was last year. I know we should have played. We'd string it out and say, "Well, maybe it's CSU, maybe it's Air Force." But you can do that. But I'm going Spartans no matter what. You give me an answer. Tell me why it's not them. I guess. I mean, it, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that Air Force does not have the hottest roster in the conference either next year. Remember, they they, lose have, some... they go 20 deep and should go five at a time. They split hockey rotation. I'm telling you, <laughs> five in, five out every time out. I feel like we owe San Jose State at least one positive tidbit. What is that? <laughs> um, okay, well, they do add Michael Stedman, who's a pretty good JUCO transfer. Okay. He should be able to start or at least compete for some solid playing time. Um, I'm going to struggle with this pronunciation a little bit. I think it's Samuel Jafet Mathias, who transfers from Wake Forest. He's sitting out this next year, but... San Jose State has been bulking up their front court a little bit, and Jane Prelo's philosophy is all defensive and rebounding, so it's really no surprise that most of the guys he's added recently are big guys who can who can rebound and at least have a good amount of defensive effort. So you like to see some competition out of San Jose State, but I think you're right in saying that this team's probably the weakest in the conference. Will they be better than last year? I don't know because losing your <laughs> That's top my three point. That's why it's the yeah. obvious last place team. Yeah. But I, <laughs> Air Force is probably going to be worse than last year. Okay. Utah State and Wyoming surely are. It's but, just the the bottom four that Mountain West is going to be rough. They are, but at least Utah State and Wyoming have a couple players. Yeah, they do. But uh, maybe one of these guys that didn't have much playing time last year can break out a little bit. Hopefully. That's the plan. Just don't be. Can we just um, have a goal of no sub 225 teams? Well, I mean, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being, if we're being honest, how would... <laughs> yeah, maybe. I know, I know, doing like the semi-daily post with the uh, RPI and SOS and stuff. I think 
San Jose State and Air Force are on 270 most of the year. How about we keep everyone within the top 250 of Kempom? Sure. We'll go that. We'll, we'll, we'll bend backwards to make it look better than it could be. or worse. Which did yeah. not happen last year, but did happen in 2017. UNLV just snuck in at 248. Oh, they were terrible that year. Man. Um, okay. Well, uh, we'll see. Here we go. Um, over, under, Muscleman, shirtless must next year. Can you set the over-under? Because I know that last time I set an over-under on this show, it was kind of a disaster. Do we need to bring back BPI? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember that over-under with Hayden Dalton when we were trying to predict how many points he'd score over a two-game stretch? Did she go super? I remember. What, what was your answer? I remember talking about it. I don't remember the results. I had it around 60, I want to say, and I went over. I don't think he scored more than 45 points. He had like 38 in one game and like 10 in the other. I think that's what it was. <laughs> He had one amazing game, one egg. Um, Here's the thing. Okay, there's going to be zero regular season games he does this in Mm -hmm. unless they go – we don't know their conference schedule yet, so it could be potentially clinching the regular season title. Maybe. That could be one. Winning the conference tournament for sure, too. And depending what – expectations are high because there's people saying final four right now they're a solid 22 to one from bovada i would have to say i thought you said nevada no 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 i did not bovada the gambling website come on give me more credit than that um if they go to the ncaa tournament going to the sweet 16 could be one final four would be one winning title would be one i don't i don't think you'd go shirtless for a sweet 16 you don't think so appearance did well does it count does it have to be on the court because in the locker room you never know. I'll count locker room. They don't specify. Okay, then that then that adds at least a number of <laughs> adds at least a handful, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, and it might be take off. I mean, not changing into a new T-shirt, like going from um, button-up tie to a T-shirt, say winning conference title. I mean, like ripping it off. Like uh, he's he has to hang. Do so we need to put a time frame at least five seconds without a T-shirt on to make it count? Yeah, five seconds sounds good. <laughs> I think it's fair because you can change shirts quicker than that, right? If you're if you're a title team, you're being quick about it and strutting around. So we might need to bring in the uh, clock review with Jeff Grammer to get him involved here. <laughs> <laughs> we could really use an, an undershirt sponsorship on this show, by the way. Come on, Haynes, where are you at? <laughs> Under Armour, come on. I'll okay, take a so form-fitting. Um, if he if the regular season's undefeated, I think he would do that. I, I would but put, otherwise, I don't think so in the regular season. Here's the options: regular season, t- yeah, regular season one, um, conference if undefeated, ti- right? In, in in league play, yeah, in league play, yeah. I would mm-hmm. say that league play would be bigger. I just yeah, whatever, sixteen no, whatever it may be. So it could be two or one there. Conference tournament could be another. Like I said, uh, going to the Sweet Sixteen, going to the Final Four, and winning five. I would say that's a lot. That's five, but I would say. If I want to get money going on, what could happen either way? If you want to actually put some, <laughs> you can bet any, on anything nowadays. Essentially, to make it interesting, I would have to say two and a half. That's what I was thinking. Because, two, two and a half. Yeah, I wouldn't because, and if it's two and a half, where would you go? I'd go under. I would too. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see it every time there's a chance to do it, just to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I would. Someone's got to ask him what his frame of mind is when he decides to do that, or maybe it's just not even a conscious decision. Here's the thing: just don't pull a um, um, what is it? Oh, what's his name? Steve Lavin and wear a color. Here's the thing: Steve Lavin sweats like crazy, so Muscleman 
here's what I'm getting at the balloon arms. Because <laughs> he wears, or even Sean Miller, I guess, too, a little bit. But I remember Steve Lava's like, first game at UCLA. <laughs> oh, man. And, sorry, people saw it more than others. It's hot. You're in a gym. It's smelly and stuff. But Muscleman doesn't have that problem. So, see, that could be an extra factor to why he'd want to take his shirt off. But cause he Sean Miller dark- and Buzz Williams are as bad as it gets for that category, yeah, by he, the way. <laughs> like, he wears dark shirts or, like, dark, like, blue shirts, sort of striped shirts sometimes on the sideline. But uh, I don't know, two and a half, I'd take the under. I would love yeah, to I'm see, going under two. I would love to see the over, though. Yeah, that would, unless it doesn't, unless it gets played <laughs> out to a certain extent. <laughs> Can we just have him coach a game shirtless? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is that the required memes, for Jeremy, health, the memes. health code reasoning? Does he have to have a shirt on indoors? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, let's go to the next question here. We should maybe save that for the end. Um, all right, let's delete this one. Um, let's go to a more basketball-related question. Um, who's going to be the next great point guard, or maybe not great, but replacing Jordan Johnson at UNLV? I think I think you're probably looking at a transfer again because you have Noah Robotham coming in, who uh, who most re- most recently played with Akron, and he actually played alongside Antonio Jackson, who was the Nevada point guard, or excuse me, New Mexico point guard this last year, but. Robothon has put up pretty good numbers in each of his first three years, averaging right around nine points per game, two rebounds per game, and three assists per game. So I think he should be able to fit in pretty nicely with um, the Rebel offense. So it's nice for UNLV to count on these experienced guys, but like I've said countless times, they need to start having some roster con- continuity, which is just not something that they've had these last five years. So it, it could take a little time for Robothon to be comfortable within the offense and maybe that's when Amari Hardy establishes himself a little bit more as a returning sophomore. I'll, I'll go with your answer because I'm not too sure, but that makes sense. I know there's hype around him coming in Jackson from Akron, what year and a half ago, whenever he made that decision. So sure. I'll go with that. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's tough with UNLV because they just haven't returned a ton of guys the last half decade. And it's a point and, guard. That's hard to pick too a little bit. Cause that's point, yeah, the guy in charge. In charge of your offense. All right, mm-hmm. so how will Mountain West RPI's the league compare to other conferences next season? What were they last year? Weren't they ninth last year in RPI? Either ninth or eighth. I can't remember now. Will they be better than the um, Atlantic 10 next year? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Conference top 10. They're number nine. They're behind Missouri Valley and American. And then... Obviously, Pac-12, Big Ten, Big East, Big Twelve. Well, they, I think. Do you think they should be better than the Missouri Valley? Yeah, I would say yes on the Missouri Valley. What about the American? American is going to be weaker this year too, and but then again, the Mountain West. Though they might have like like we said earlier, maybe they might have a top ten team in Nevada, but that doesn't always equate to a top ten RPI. So, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, look it, at, it, it yeah, well, look at um, yeah. was it West Coast Conference? They were sitting mm-hmm. at uh, behind the Colonial, <laughs> and they had Gonzaga, who was mm-hmm. the, I guess, 22. When you look at the final RPI, they were 22. Um, or even um, American had Cincy seven. They're a seventh RPI team. I would say, I think the best would be six, but I don't think they'll be six because there's too many bad teams in the conference at the bottom. So probably. Seven, I'd say, would be the highest, I'm assuming, for next year. 
I I would probably say I'd probably still say eight and nine range because it's probably a top probably a bit top heavy with New Mexico, San Diego State, and Nevada. But like we mentioned earlier, those those bottom half teams will probably be in the 150 to 250 range in RPI, and that just completely hurts the whole it, yeah. conference's RPI. So is yeah, it, we'll see. Probably seven and nine is is fair. Also, remember, even though Fresno should be pretty good, new head coach CSU, new head coach. Mm-hmm. And so that's an issue. When you look at really quick the American, what they did last year overall, they were seven, their worst team in RPI. Let's see if I have it here. They only they had East Carolina, East Carolina and South Florida were two seventy five and two seventy six. However, Oops. they had one, two, three, four, five, six top hundred teams. And then Memphis is one oh eight. And so I don't know what the Mountain West will have close to that next year. Like even if they get like a Nevada City or a top ten. Because they finished 13 last year. Mountain West had just three top 100 teams, but they also had San Jose State 314, Air Force, CSU were 250, 235. So. Can I can I add one tag-along question here since we're kind of on the same subject? Go for it. we got time. I have been seeing a number of things pop up on Twitter recently with, like, way too early prediction predictions and rankings and all that. Yeah. And some people are saying that the top three teams out West – uh, none of them could include a, a Pac-12 team. I phrase that terribly, but like the Pac-12 might not have one of the top three teams out west this upcoming season. So I, Gonzaga they certainly don't have anyone better than Gonzaga and Nevada. Gonzaga, Nevada. Who's number three then? Maybe San Diego State or New Mexico. Maybe BYU. Not be no no. Do not say that. Not the case at all. You're not on board. No. And <laughs> 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 that. Oh, I guess yeah, yeah. BYU's not. They got yeah. Yule Childs could be really good, but come on, they, dude, they lose to like, who is it, Pepperdine or bad West Coast Conference teams like three times a year. They think they're bigger than they are. Like, I don't know who the third team would be. Arizona's always should be good. Like they're a team that should be um, ranked and ranked high because they are still getting. Who is the guy coming in? Aiden. um, Who's the guy who allegedly was given 100k? Oh, Aiden? But he's not returning, though. Oh, no, he's – no. Oh, that's right. He wasn't incoming. He was a freshman last year. Yeah, because looking at CBS and Gary Paris, they got uh, Gonzaga 5, Nevada 6, scrolling. scrolling. It's probably Oregon because they should be a top 20 team preseason, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, Oregon 17. UCLA's 18 just because. What do they consider West Coast? Rockies and West? So Pac-12, Mountain West, WAC, and WCC, and Big Sky? And I guess – yeah, probably just for the sake of Big West 25 too. talk, it's probably just Pac-12 WCC Mountain West. Uh, hmm, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's probably Oregon, UCLA, or Arizona, but the fact that we're having this conversation is pretty yeah, interesting, I want to say. So but, let me ask you this. Will the, uh-huh. I already know the answer, but the Mountain West won't be better than Pac-12 overall in RPI, will it? No. Just no. Be, just because? The top three... Teams might be better than the Pac-12's top three teams, but but then you have everyone else that gets helped out in the bottom half of the Pac-12 as opposed to the West. I know we'll have more shows going forward, but let's wrap it up since we're now about an hour. we got Nevada far and away. Who's your um, Is New Mexico your number two team? Because Lobos yes. fans are hungry. Is that correct? You have the number yes, two? Yes, I'm still with New Mexico, but you can definitely play San Diego State there and you'll have a great argument. Do you um, fall in line with the Aztec fans who... I'm, you probably already know your answer, I'm assuming, but just because they beat them twice, <laughs> that they should be better oh, than them man. just because? There was a comment I had the other day that... Pick one, said, right? <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> sure, two wins out of three tries is nice, and San Diego State is mm-hmm. um, they're the, the brand of the conference and everything. But just if you match up those two teams, I'd still go with Nevada. And I mean, San Diego State could probably beat them at home again this year, and maybe on a neutral site. But I still think Nevada is a better team. All right, I just want to clear that out there. That's Eli Betker, not me. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Oh, tell me, tell me you don't agree. <laughs> no, no. It, I know. I can see the point of Aztec fans, but – and they beat them when it counted. Or, no, they didn't even play them in the tournament, did they? I forget how – Yes, we... yes, San Diego State hammered them in the tournament. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We were there sitting next – sorry. I, there's a lot of games we watched that weekend. I, I, just... I will say this. I'll end on this. I think – Nevada is the surefire favorite in the conference. Everyone will agree with that. But I don't think that the margin between Nevada and New Mexico and San Diego State is nearly as wide as people think. And relative to um, preseason. New Mexico and San Diego State could spend. Yes, I, I think that New Mexico and San Diego State could spend a good amount or a good portion of the season receiving AP votes. So that doesn't mean that they'll be in the top 25 all year, but they should get some nods from from media people you'd hope so at least i i assume i'd, I'd i'm betting san diego state before new mexico just because yeah that makes more sense from what people pay attention to mm-hmm. but lobos did make the tournament last year the title game i should say did pretty well okay so we'll wrap it up here so next show we do we have the nba draft coming up we'll talk about that because you have a uh, hutchinson chandler could be a, should be a first round pick looks like should we just pen it into the chicago bulls and not do a show <laughs> it would be cool if he ended up with the Bulls, but yeah, he's sure looking like a first round pick. So with him, we have I guess the only other draftable guy maybe Brandon McCoy, potentially. Um could be drafted. I don't his see- stock has certainly hurt these last few months. Lindsey Drew's not get picked, is he? No, and he's coming back to Nevada this year. Oh, oh whoops, sorry about that. I should know that. <laughs> That's the other guy back. I thought he was gone. Uh but we'll have some sort of NBA draft show in a couple weeks because the NBA draft is June twenty first, so maybe the week before. And then we'll be back probably, I guess, July maybe to do some craziness just because that's what we do because it's July. And, <laughs> you also yeah. need to argue about 4th of July food, I would I would assume. We do? Do we need to discuss it? We got Memorial Day just passed. Mm-hmm. Is that the same type of food as 4th of July food? Hmm. Mm, I don't think so. Let me ask you this. You are out in the Pacific Northwest. I am from Texas but now living in Utah. We'll get. We'll talk about food next next around July fourth. Maybe the draft show because with only one guy is sure to be drafted. We may not have a long show. Let's leave people on this. Um, Eli, what's a barbecue to you? The like the event. Like no, like what type of food? What do you consider a barbecue? Is let me ask you this: Is cooking hamburgers and hot dogs considered a barbecue? Yes. Oh my goodness. We'll end the show on that. We'll talk about it later because you're wrong. <laughs> oh, no. You're completely wrong, Oh, sir. no. <laughs> That'll be next time we'll discuss that. So if you listen oh, to the end of the no. show, tell us what a barbecue is, what you think it is. So we'll talk about this later. But check us out. Real Ed, meat, right? Technically, I will find the oh, – we'll actually find the definition, but we'll talk offline and <laughs> prepare for the next show about this. But that's our hoop show for tonight. Uh, MWR.com, that's our website. Check us out. We're on TuneIn, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Apple Podcast. Uh, where else are we at, Eli? Anywhere you get a po- any more good podcast can be sold. Find us there. Tell a friend. <laughs> a- ask your friend what your favorite barbecue food is or what a barbecue is. And we'll be back next time to talk some hoops. And also, real quick, um, we do have football stuff going on at the moment. So 
We have all of our team previews rolling out each and every week. And we do have our Patreon back going up a little bit. So if you want to check that out, uh, patreon.com backslash MWCWire. Uh, you can get podcasts early and ad-free. So cool. Help us out. That'd be great. And until next time, we'll see you and uh, talk some more Mountain West stuff later.